Good morning, everyone. Oh, good, you're lively. Last night, the folks, I don't know what was going on last night at 5.30. I had to verbally shake them, <laughs> didn't I, Deacon, to get them to respond. I don't know what was going on. Uh, maybe it was me. Uh, my friends, uh, our first reading, in addition to, because uh, it's Old Testament, in addition to going to temple, in addition to prayer, and um, the Old Testament reading from today tells us that worship of God also includes very tangible things such as concern for others and work for others. So we go to the first reading, and I believe that that is the crux of St. James, who says, you show me uh, your faith without works, and I'll show you how strong mine is with my works. I believe that's where um, he gets most of it. He gets it from Christ, of course, because Christ did not dispute that. As a matter of fact, he heightened that. And uh, the second reading tells us something else. It says uh, that the success of the gospel and its teaching and its preaching and its moving throughout the world um, doesn't depend on human cleverness, is what Paul is saying, but relies on the very power of God um, and then our cooperation with that. And our gospel. Remember, the words of the gospel are living. They're not dead. They're very much. So when uh, Jesus says to his disciples, because it is the living word of God, Jesus says to his disciples, Jesus is speaking to you this morning through the gospel. To you, I want to make this absolutely clear to you, Jesus says to his disciples, that they are salt of the earth and light for the world. He also went on to say that salt can lose its taste. And what he's meaning, it loses its ability to do something. By saying that, he's describing uh, something that happens to the disciples. They get tired. Uh, they get bored. Uh, they lose interest. And... Uh, they need something new and different and exciting to spark interest again. Jesus says that if salt loses its taste, it's good for nothing anymore and should be thrown out. He's addressing his disciples. Who is he addressing? Raise your hand. <laughs> Very good. Oh, last night wasn't getting that. <laughs> So we look at this, the image of salt and light that he's using. Relating this image of salt losing its taste uh, and relating it to our life of discipleship, what does it say to us? We can ask ourselves then some questions. Did my discipleship ever really have salt? Meaning, did it have that substance in order to affect something? Secondly, if it did, where is the evidence of it? Where's the evidence of the substance now? Or have I lost it completely? And thirdly, if there's never actually been that substance of, in my discipleship, or if I did lose it, how can I get it back? Did our discipleship ever have that substance to it? Which Jesus uses a, an analogy, if you will, of salt. So what actually is this substance and uh, um, is nothing less than the very, very experience of the presence of God in your life. And uh, 
my friends, not so much in the extraordinary uh, ways. Um, I know people, sometimes we look to our saints and like, gosh, why can't that happen to me? Why can't I be like, why can't I be one of the super disciples? God raises them in particular situations, gives it to them. But we shouldn't, we can look to see that we can achieve things. But we cannot be like them in that particular situation. So to say, well, I, I need to be, St. Paul says anyone goes to heaven is a saint. But what I'm getting at is we see these powerhouses. Um, but I think, if you will, that disciples, things are different uh, for us in this sense. Um, not so much in the extraordinary ways. But uh, one of the professors, and he told us about this, and I knew it came from another source, but I don't remember the source. But he said, um, the experience of God, he likened it to a ripple that happens in a pond that's still. And uh, he said that ripple appears almost from nowhere, and uh, it quietly and silently moves across the pond, but it affects the, the whole pond. And he said, in the very same way, in the normal ways of things, God does the same for each one of us. He appears, and it's like a quiet, gentle ripple across our soul, eventually affecting our very conscience. And that professor went on to tell me uh, of the class, do not ignore that. Don't ignore that. That's God. And um, for some Christians, there's never been any saltiness in their discipleship. And uh, unfortunately, religion for them has been merely a collection of commandments found in a book and rules uh, that if they obey those rules, um, they have entrance into heaven. And this is a very old, this isn't new, this is old. Jesus was dealing with the Pharisees and the scribes the same way. Okay, if I just do this five times, I get what I want. See, it's not new, it's old. And Jesus battled it in his day, and we're going to have to battle it in our day. And um, sometimes those very same folks, um, the church then becomes just an organization whose task it is to instruct them on the commandments and the precepts. And my friends, I have to tell you that this has very little life or joy in it. Uh, it's not the kind of religion that Jesus put forth. That's not what he wanted from his church. And uh, um, friends, uh, last night I likened it uh, to when I was a child. Um, you guys know I shared with you little pieces about how my mom would handle me because I was a spoiled brat, as she would say. <laughs> um, but I would go into the church and she would have to bribe me to leave um, because I would stare at the stained glass windows or I'd I was always staring at something. And um, she would bribe me by, we're going to go and panaderia, panaderia is bakery in Spanish. Come on, we're going to go to the bakery. You know, my brother was always like, oh, gosh, you know, he makes me crazy. He makes, he does this every Sunday. He makes me crazy. <laughs> and, you know, I'm going to beat him up when we get home. <laughs> And he could, too, because he's big. Um, but I bring that up uh, because sometimes, and pining is a strong word, but there were times in my life when I wanted to go back to that time when I was filled with so much amazement and wonderment. 
And I pined for that, that joy. And I wonder what happened. And I would have to go on a search. And so this homily is written not only for you, but for me. And um, other people have had the salt of discipleship at one time, but now it has lost its ability and its taste. And there are many reasons why that can happen. And it's not important to go over those reasons uh, as it is to acknowledge the fact that it has happened. And that's what I did many years ago. What, where's that little boy <laughs> that you couldn't drag out of the church without, you know, well, my brother threatening me, you know, you could, I could see him. <laughs> or my mom, come on, we're going to go get the cupcake. <laughs> my friends, uh, the greatest danger, I think, in this is apathy. And when one feels nothing, one can miss nothing. And at least I am grateful that I missed it, that I could feel it, and I missed it. And while that was painful, I guess that is pining, isn't it? And it's a pining. I went and looked, and I'm like, oh, pining is kind of, ooh, that's a heavy word to use here. But it is exactly what it was that I was doing. And uh, one can never return to that living, joyful experience of the Lord unless that person first misses it. And um, now I understand what he was doing. He made me miss it so that I would go searching for it. And... Um, so how can we bring uh, that uh, back to our discipleship life? And uh, how can we move beyond boredom or apathy or even for some people, bitterness and uh, to a lively experience of the Lord? And um, one cannot be warmed by a fire unless one moves closer to that fire. One will have to start searching. And that's what I did. I can only share. I started my search. And... Um, I started pursuing it until finally at last, here was the epiphany. I came to the realization that what I was searching was not outside of me, but was actually deep within me, but had gotten covered up with all the nonsense of the world, <laughs> which I willingly walked right into like a moron <laughs> because it took a long time for God to get me back he put on my heart to be a priest when I was young. And I've only been a priest for 11 years, so <laughs> you can do the math. Where did he go? Exactly. Where did I go? <laughs> I went on search for many things. And the whole time God was there, just kind of nudging. <laughs> Get over there. <laughs> you are salt of the earth. You are light of the world. Often, I think we, his disciples, do not appreciate how important the light of Christ is to so many people lost and buried in the shadow of our modern world. And how like a revelation, these values of his, which are in us, and he's asking us to show others, when they see it, they change. Um, buried in it, uh, uh, these cultures are not immune to unchristian influences. And uh, my friends, uh, this becomes important. Um, my sister, you guys met her. She's come here twice now. First time she met all of you, 
And she was very impressed. And she went home that first year, went back to Mass, but then stopped. But then last year she came back again. And now she goes to Mass every weekend. And what she tells me was because of you, not because of her brother, I'm just her brother, <laughs> but because of you. She came here, she felt comfortable. She felt this was family. The problem is, is now she's over in Michigan again and she keeps looking. She's been at three parishes. And she's finally found one. But she said, I don't know. It's just, it's not the same. And sometimes we who, this is our parish, sometimes we're so busy we get lost in it. But people actually come here and when they leave, they send me an email. Father, I was at your parish and I'm going to tell you how great it was. And really what they're describing is not our perfection. They're describing the holiness that exists in our parish. That sometimes we're in it all the time and we just forget. But these people come and they see it. So I'm telling you, you are salt and you are light. It affected my sister and now she goes. I went to the parish she goes to. <laughs> You guys remember what happened to me there. I didn't understand what the pastor was talking about. Uh, but she goes. And she listens to him. And, um, and yes, there's many things. There's the music. There's the homily. There's uh, the people. Um, but what she was describing was this feeling of family. That's what she was searching for. And she experienced God then in a way she hadn't before through you. And this is what Jesus is getting at. You have this ability. He can do whatever he wants, yeah. He can, he can bring the burning bush into your house. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to work, <laughs> really. You know, pillar by day, you know, smoke. Remember Moses? Pillar of fire at night to make sure they knew he was present. So this is for your prayerful reflection. Does Jesus and his values still hold as a great light in your life that lights up all the other things for you? Or have Jesus and his values faded from your life into the bizarre glow of the world and its ways? Is there a Bible in your home? And more importantly, do you actually pick it up and read it? Or is it just sitting on the table? Now, last night I joked and I got a little harsh. And I said, that's not going to work when you approach heaven and St. John the Baptist is the one guarding the door that day. He's going to say, yeah, you had it, but you never used it. Please go that way. Push the button for P. Purgatory. <laughs> now, purgatory is a horrible place. Everyone who goes to purgatory goes to heaven eventually. And I make fun and I joke, but you actually got to pick up the Bible and read it. It's the very word of God. What about prayer in your home? Are you praying before each meal? Prayer has got to become the very fabric of the life of the family. How are you testifying on behalf of our Lord and reflecting his light? 
Jesus said, you are salt of the earth. You are light of the world. Whether at home, at work, or wherever you find yourself in the community, you are a light of social justice. You are a light of mercy. You are a light of peace, of love, of kindness in those places. Are you a light on a hilltop professing the values that are Christ, that belong to him, that belong to his disciples? Or, uh, and those values I know come into conflict with much of the culture of the world. And in fact, I know that his values that you are trying to hold on to will come into conflict with some of your best friends because they do not hold those values which creates a challenge for you all. We are called to be light. That light is intended to illuminate the surroundings, allowing the beauty and truth of Jesus Christ to be seen. We are not to be a spotlight, blinding someone, however. There's a difference, right? A light you turn on in a room illuminates the whole room but does not blind you. We must not blind others, but allow his light to shine. As Christians, we are to brighten this world by our very lives so that others can see the love of God at work in us, and then they will come to experience and share in that love. Christians should be enhancers, enabling people to come to God, never getting in the way or being a stumbling block to them. As his disciples, let us remember the true sense in which we are to be salt of the earth and light of the world, a hilltop city for others.